All right, folks, this week is multitasking week or really not being able to multitask week. Uh, T Free is going to give us some ideas about using the term cruising altitude to help give some really direct guidelines for our students in understanding when it's okay to be on one device, we're in one place, and when it's okay to be in another place. Really great idea for framing this for our students. I'm really excited for you all to hear about this. So let's cue the music and then hear T Free. Welcome back. We're so excited to have you here. This week's connection activity. We're going to try to share something I do. It's almost like a classroom management skill, I guess. Um, but again, it's the way that I've phrased it, the way that I describe it and lock it in. It, it does kind of create that connection piece because the students relate to it a little bit more <clears throat> early on in the year. I can have conversations about who has, you know, traveled somewhere. Did you take an airplane? Those kinds of things. And so we, we kind of riff off that for a little bit. So that's, that's why I think it's part of the connection activity and it definitely helps us eliminate some of the multitasking issues that we have in our classroom. And I'm sure if your classroom is anything like mine, you have technology in multiple locations uh, and almost always a, a struggle to fight against their screen and then paying attention to you and the lesson and, you know, even each other when they're working together. So um, I call this cruising altitude. Uh, and so for my classroom, um, early in the year, I talk about this again as a classroom management piece. And I say, you know, like how many of you have gone on vacation and have ever flown somewhere before? Um, and again, it's just one of those to try to create a little bit of connection. I was like, how many of you <clears throat> have ever had your phone out on the airplane? What do they always tell you before they take off? Like, you got to put your phone away and turn it off, put it in an airplane mode. I was like, perfect. When we are in this classroom, we're in airplane mode right? Like you're going to take your technology, you're going to turn it off, you're going to put, you know, close your lids while I'm, I'm learning or teaching you guys something directly, unless I have them like actually working through maybe some online course. Uh, but your phones are definitely at a bare minimum face down on your desk, ideally tucked in your pocket. Um, and they stay there until we have reached cruising altitude. So I'm like, anybody remember what cruising altitude is? And they're like, oh, you know, that's when you can pull out your electronic devices again. I was like, exactly. Once we've reached cruising altitude, you are free to move about the cabin and you can use your approved electronic devices. So I usually phrase it exactly like that because if there are ever moments where I'm like, hey, today is not a cell phone day. Like we're doing too much going on. Cell phones are not an approved electronic device. I don't want your headphones in. I don't want those things. That does not def defeat my overall classroom management. So mm -hmm. um, sometimes I can still make it more restrictive if I need to. But for the most part, once we've reached cruising altitude, I've finished, you know, a review or, um, a warm up or maybe some direct instruction or um, art gallery, you know, the gallery walk kind of stuff, like whatever it is where I want them really engaged, focused without distraction. Um, and so once we've reached that cruising altitude, now if a student needs to go to the restroom, now you can go to the restroom. Mm -hmm. If you want to go check in with your, your friend and see if they got the same answers, you, you can move over there and check with them. Um, when I, 
encouraged buddying up more pre-COVID, right? Uh, I didn't <laughs> mind my students went from their assigned seats to working with each other in small groups, those kinds of things, or come up and check with me, that kind of a stuff, right? So mm-hmm. they're free to move about the room at this point in my, my classroom. That's how I've designed it. They can also then throw in their headphones if they want some music. This is also usually where I'll throw on some music if it's appropriate for that. Um, so I, I call it cruising altitude. And that's um, one of my ways to try to help eliminate the distraction of the phone while I'm in the part where I really want them to be engaged and focused before they're practicing on their own. And then I allow that freedom because I do think there's value in them eventually learning and discovering on their own how ineffective multitasking is and how um, (laughs) they need to get some time management skills and they need to be able to recognize when they're not getting work done because of distractions and help self-regulate those. Well, what I really love about the way that you frame this is I think the language that provides really clear expectations or standards for during this portion of class multitasking is not acceptable because we know that it doesn't work. And I need you to have 100% of your attention and focus directed at the thing that I need you to have it directed at, whether it's direct instruction or something else that's going on. And then, okay, here's, here's a point in time where you have a little bit more choice and, and like, I like the word that you use freedom there to kind of think about how you're going to use your time. And like you said, kids will kind of ultimately make their own decisions and learn Hey, I like, I come to school actually for the social part and I'm just going to sit and chill with my friend and talk about things or listen to music and I'll get work done at home because I work better in isolation anyways, or whatever their, their rationale or, or learning around how they best do work. So I really like how you, how you've got that, that played out. And I love, you know, the impetus for this whole podcast was talking about connections with students and using the cruising altitude also creates this opportunity to connect with students about where they have traveled, where they want to travel, whether or not you've ever been on an airplane, all those kinds of things. So that's, that's also a really cool way to, to kind of connect those two elements that are so important to us. Um, one question I have for you, I know we both taught in North Shore for a while. Um, and when I left North Shore, I can't remember if it was there when you were still there. We had APARA. Do you remember that? The APARA acronym or whatever, where we could, particularly if we were in the computer lab, right? This was before every kid had their own device um, in the classroom or if they were using like school provided um, computers, we could open up Hapara and actually like click on a student and, and know what was on their screen and close tabs for them. Yes. Do you remember having this ability? So I actually still have that ability okay. with personal devices. Uh, we use Impero or something like that um, okay. out here in, in Bowling Green. Um, I, 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 do, I don't use it all the time. I, I especially use it when we're doing test taking and stuff like that. It's the equivalent basically of a locked Chromebook kind of a thing, right? So that mm-hmm. they only get to use the tools that I want. Um, but yes, it is one of those where I know, you know, Francisco's over here and he's been playing video games for the last 30 minutes. And I'm like, yo, Francisco, seriously, turn off your game. And every time I walk by, he switches tabs, but he doesn't actually close the tab. So sometimes I go and I close it for him (laughs) (laughs) to which he usually immediately reopens it. But that's a different story. (laughs) Yeah. I mean, I didn't use Hapara like 
consistently is probably not the right word. Like it wasn't a a thing I've always had like a, a like an initial instinct against like the big brother idea and I didn't like hovering over students like that and as we're going to talk about more in the big idea like we just know that they're not conditioned to be able to to self-regulate in this particular way. Right. And so the the things that I found I would do it early in the year so that they knew that I had that capability and pretty quickly students would cotton on to the fact that it was possible for me to, to do that. And they would kind of like that. I would notice over the course of, of the first six weeks of the school year that students would just stop trying right? like they wouldn't test the system because they knew what it was. Right. Um, you could mm-hmm. also like do funny little things in the North shore system with Apara at least. Uh, so you could close a tab that they weren't supposed to have open. Um, you could like send them a message like, Hey, I see you're playing super Mario. That's not what we're doing right now. Um, and then my personal favorite is you could do like the mega mouse and just like block their screen for them. So that while they were playing the game, you were just messing with their ability (laughs) to do well. And you could just hear kids freaking out in the computer lab as you were doing it. And that was like my person. Cause there's like that moment of connection. Like it's a funny way to like, Hey, I know what you're doing. You should stop. But it's like, it's, it's, there's something that derives more connection around messing with them with it versus like just shutting it down. Right. And not in a shameful way, but that's hilarious. (laughs) If you're just blocking them in their game, so they crash and die. All right, your game's over. Back to my lesson. (laughs) (laughs) It was like the one that I distinctly remember, and I can't remember the kid's name, which is probably better for the podcast, but I had this one kid that would always try and play duck hunt on his Mm -hmm. computer and so I would just make the mouse the, the appropriate size and just like have the mouse like blocking his ability to see where the ducks were going. And you could just hear him like he eventually figured out it was me. Like there was like a there was a period of time where he thought the game was glitchy and then yeah. he figured out it was me because he could hear me chuckling in the back of the room <laughs> at, at him. And then he would literally just be like, ah, dang it, K-Dub. <laughs> it's like, dude, if you're going to screw around, I'm going to I'm going to screw with you, too. Right. Um, and and. Even though I can't remember that kid's name, like he graduated pretty early on in my time in North Shore. Like that was the thing that he remembered about our class was that I used to do that with him, right? Like that was our connection. Like he wasn't upset that I was messing with him. His memory was that instead of getting angry and shutting it down, I just screwed with him in response to like, hey, this is how you're using your independent work time. I'm going to mess with you right back. Right. Right. Yeah. No, I think, I think that's hilarious. And that's a great play. Um, yeah, if you've got any of that software, like people out here listening right now, like if you've got any of that, like find creative fun ways to shut the kids down like that. Not not the just close. I closed your tab 30 times. Knock it off. Right. Like, <laughs> like that's not fun. But if you no. it's like one of the things we could do is we could also force open a tab for kids. So oh, I, like that. You know, I could send them to, you know, like like if I created like some gif or you know image or something stupid on a google doc i could force launch that onto their screen and it's like Ta-da! happy you know math day or <laughs> something stupid right and they're like ah dang it freeberg you know like <laughs> just just mess with them i think that's way more fun than scolding them they still they still realize that they're not supposed to be doing what it is they're doing but it connects you better with them yeah i love that force tab open that's great that's another really great way like you said the idea of letting them know that you know you're off task and I want you to be doing something else without having it be like this like downhill 
you're wrong. Stop. Like just like the like the shutting it down kind of thing because the shutting it down shuts them down. As right. well. You're gonna make me stop doing my phone. I'm just gonna stop doing math. I'm gonna put my head down, and fall asleep. Yep, for sure. Um, so along with that, the other thing I was wondering about, you mentioned music and the fact that you play music a lot. I know we did a whole podcast on the music thing. I'm wondering what strategies have been successful for you with getting kids to listen to music without having it become a distraction. And so I'll go on my tangent first, um, and then let you respond. Um, there's two things that I've found really successful when I have a student playlist that is based on what students want to listen to. Um, which I, I, we talked about this before, but like multiple entry points for students to just send me a whole playlist, send me a song that they want. Once they realize that you're actually going to play the song that they requested, they will not listen to their own music because they're so hyped to hear the song that they requested or the songs that they've requested. Um, so like then they're listening to our music, our playlist, instead of having their own experience with their headphones. And then the other thing that I've found actually really powerful is just suggesting, right? Not requiring, but just suggesting to kids, hey, it's okay for you to listen to music. My request, pick a playlist or better yet, be an old person, pick an album and just listen to it song one through whatever without trying to find a new song every two minutes into the deal. Because if you do that, you're not going to get any work done. You're going to get distracted. The multitasking, right? This is where the multitasking comes up with the music. And I've found that just by like making that simple request slash suggestion has helped students think about, oh, yeah, you're like, like I, I see heads nod. I see kids like, oh, yeah, I've got, and kids even telling me, hey, this is the playlist that I made for your class because I know I can listen to music during your class. And then I'll play that playlist for the class sometimes. So nice. Um, have you had any <clears throat> other strategies that have been successful for you in getting kids when you do go to cruising altitude to try and limit the number of times that they're looking back at their phone? Uh, first, I just want to acknowledge that's brilliant. Um, <laughs> I've actually not ever made that request where the, like to ask them to play just a playlist or an album so that they're not distracted, always trying to pick the next best song. Cause mm-hmm. you know, like get off your phone, like get back to work. Like, Oh, I'm trying to find a song again. You're looking for another song again. <laughs> so no, I love that. That's brilliant. Um, I, I did have success with having like this, like I would actually build like a student DJ and they would pick the mm-hmm. Pandora station or whatever we're on. Right. Okay. Um, that was usually helpful. And then the students had buy-in and if they didn't really care, then you had this whole like negotiating thing going on where all the students are trying to convince the class DJ to pick their song or their playlist. But <laughs> I'm like, no, no, it is your pick. Don't let them influence you. You can go whichever way you want, but do not let, you know, so-and-so steal this from you. You are the class DJ. But what if I pick wrong music? You can't pick wrong music. <laughs> no, you cannot. It's all good. It's like worst case scenario, everybody's gonna throw their headphones in. But usually, what happens is you pick a decent radio station. People sing along to a couple songs, and it's it's fun. So um, the class DJ, I I always enjoyed that. In fact, um, last year I actually would because I was in an actual classroom. Um, I would actually <laughs> give the class DJ my remote control to my disco ball lights. Oh, and nice. So- and so they had free reign to turn on the disco ball lights to celebrate students that came up to the board. And once we got into music mode, if the, a song pops up that they really liked, they could they could turn it into kind of a dance party vibe. So 
That's I mean, awesome. granted, I like this that. would this would very much distract them from their learning, but it did help the social aspect and the connection piece. So, <laughs> well, I think I think what that reminds me of is um, a trap that I fall into. I will not accuse other teachers of this because I have no idea. Uh, a trap that I will fall into, right? Like I'm very intentional about how much time I do direct instruction for, and I try to never do anything for more than 15 minutes straight, mm-hmm. like. Even if it's even if it's as simple as like I've been talking now we're gonna watch a video it's still direct instruction but there's a break in like who's the narrator right now um, we're giving them a chance to turn and talk in the midst of those of those of those lectures and direct instruction I what I often forget about and your your little comment about the class DJ reminded me about is I will often be like all right uh, you know especially when we were in person we had 92 minute classes all right I've been you know, we've been doing direct instruction for 60 minutes. You have the last 30 minutes to finish the assignment or, you know, whatever. Right. And like, we know kids, again, they can't focus for more than 15 minutes, but I don't usually break up the work time, like to give them like a forced check-in or, or interruption. So I, I love that you've kind of, whether intentionally or not, you've created like an atmosphere where there's going to be interruptions and then we can get back to work. Right. And if if they get too far off track or if I feel like I need to re-engage them for at least like four or five minutes, I'll put like the stopwatch or Google timer or whatever on the board. Mm-hmm. Like, all right, five minutes, everybody back. Let's let's hustle. Let's get to it. Um, and then when that bell hits, you know, that ringer, uh, then I'm like, all right, you guys are, you know, go go be chaos again. Do whatever you need to do. But um but yeah, sometimes if it looks like they've gotten too much into free space, I'm like, all right, all right, we got to get back get working on this. You know, do we want to see one on the board? Maybe I regroup them. We do one on the board or it's, you know, throw the timer on. Okay. Really engage for the next four or five minutes. Uh, headphones out maybe for a quick second again, but. Well, so. to circle back to your original connection activity, I think what I'm going to need for next year, Tim, is a, uh, a recording of you and your best flight attendant voice yes giving the instructions for reaching cruising altitude and i will be utilizing both that recording and that like very clear set of expectations next year i love that as part of my return to the new normal next year and i it'll be nice for me to have your voice in the classroom as well so that's going to be my request for next year welcome to k-dub air thank you for (laughs) flying with us Please remain seated with your buckles. <laughs> so, yeah, I'll get I'll get you something once it's recorded. I'll I'll throw it in the free resources. You all you all can use it. <laughs> I love it. That's beautiful. Awesome. All right, we'll see you guys back here for the big idea. Always learn in a peak state. Make it a great day.